0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in a new year. Perhaps it's already apparent that it's not so new, but a continuation. And we pray that you would be in our hearts and thoughts though in this day, that you would help us to think about Think about your will for our lives in the coming year, that you would help us to think about the attitudes that we need to have, that we can have the mind of Christ, that we can think about how we can serve you better in the coming year, and we pray that you would help us always to be mindful that our life is but a vapor and that our plans as humans mean nothing. But we know and we trust that you direct our paths, that you have a plan for us, and that you will work in our lives in this year, and that your will and purpose will be done on this earth. All these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was, as I was thinking about this sermon and some of the some of the uh, the sermons that we already had, Brother Andrew's sermon last last uh, week on thinking about the, uh, the 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 time that we have to spend and how we can best use that, and again, um, you know, our our New Year's Eve service where we talked about the memories that we've had of, of years past and the, especially the Christmas season of, of things that were, are meaningful to us as people. And again, uh, Tim, Brother Tim's Bible class, um, Now I don't remember if it was Wednesday night or, or uh, last week, but uh, about the three most important things for Christians, loving God, loving our neighbor, and fulfilling the Great Commission. And so I've been thinking a lot about um, planning or thinking about the new year. And uh, I've just been kind of enjoying my, my more relaxed schedule here between Christmas and New Year. And all of a sudden, of course, Friday, my, my phone started blowing up. Emails from students needing, needing something. Uh, my many other, other uh, commitments that I have, uh, people wanting to talk to me, et cetera, et cetera, and all of a sudden I realized that my, uh, my quiet time for, uh, for planning my new year was gone. <laughs> and today I, uh, I wanted to talk about planning, but I also wanted to talk about Embracing things that perhaps we've not planned. A couple years ago, I was in an airport. And uh, when I'm between flights, I like to go to the bookstore. I like to see, oh, what's the, uh, what kind of, uh, what's the, uh, what, what books are being published? And uh, is there anything that, that speaks to me, or at least the title speaks to me? You know, I found I got a lot of books in my, uh, in my library where the, uh, the title spoke to me and I bought it and I never got past the first chapter, but they had a great title. But the, the book that I purchased several years ago was called One Thing. And it was about this businessman and uh, he was going through, uh, his company was going through some issues and he was trying, he had hired a consultant and uh, was trying to figure out uh, what, uh, what he needed to, to do different. And so his consultant came back and told him, well, Jesus only needed 12 disciples to change the, ro- change the world, but you're going to need 14 people to change your company. And, uh, but the, uh, the main point was not the number of people that were needed to change the company, but that the company needed to refocus, and it needed to needed to be more true to its goals and prioritize those effectively. So as I was thinking this week about this uh, phrase, at least one thing, I started looking at the Bible, and... All of a sudden I saw well there's there's all these verses in the Bible that talk about the one thing. We look at the apostle Paul in Philippians three, thirteen through fourteen. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are before, behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So again, it's nice to focus on the memories of the past, to focus on, on things that give us warm feelings and make us happy. And yet the Apostle Paul says here that it's important not to think that we've already arrived, not to think that we've already uh, achieved our ultimate spiritual goal, just because we have salvation, have have received salvation from the Lord, but we need to continue to reach forth to those things which are ahead of us and seek after the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Sir Isaac Newton said, If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants, So I think it's important to remember that our memories are not there to merely give us warm fuzzies, so to speak, but also as a base for preparing us and launching us to where we want to go. And these memories, while we like to dwell upon our successes a lot of times to launch us, sometimes it's also important to think about our failures or where we fell short. Uh, Thomas Alva Edison uh, is rumored to have said, at least it's the internet version, Uh, The actual quote is uh, more complex, but the the pithy internet version is, I have not failed 10,000 times, I have only found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. So again, when we look back, while we may like to focus on what we deem to be our successes, We also need to examine where we may have fallen short and see how that can inform where we want to go forward. A lot of times, as humans, we get stuck in these ruts and we're happy to retry something that's failed 10,000 times instead of trying one thing new. One thing. Luke ten thirty eight forty two. We had this rather recently in our midweek Bible Bible study. Now it came to pass as they went, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving, and came unto him, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. As believers, we need to ask ourselves, am I focused on the one thing? In this situation, Martha is busy with the one thing that concerns her. You know, this, this week uh, Grandma had some concerns. She thought we were getting 12 guests and uh, we didn't have enough butter and orange juice. And this was uh, a big concern This worries me that, uh, you know, as as I get older, that, you know, I'm going to uh, potentially carry carry these worries and cares along in my life. That we have these human, earthly worries. And that uh, even in old age, in my older age, I'm not going to be able to stop worrying, to stop being content, or just to stop worrying and to trust that the Lord's going to provide. Was what Martha was doing important? Yes, it was. She was trying to serve her best. The Master was coming. The Son of God was coming. And she wanted everything to be done just right. If we look at her concerns, you know, basically she's saying here to to Jesus, you know, it's not fair, I have to do all this work, and and Mary has the opportunity here to to sit at your feet and learn from, from her, from you. And yet Jesus told her that Mary had chosen the best part, And in real life, of course, we face these types of conundrums all the time. And uh, if we're, we're married, of course, we, we have at least two people's opinions about what the right thing should be and how much time we should give to serving versus sitting and learning at Jesus' feet. You know, this morning, uh, this this morning we had the big snow again, and this this always uh, brings out a a basic conflict in in our marriage. And that you know, my my approach is that you know, hey, if you can drive the car out of the driveway, why shovel? And you know, yet Evelyn's approach is more, you know, the the traditional Swiss cleaning approach is that you know I want a black driveway. And so our, our definition of being done with this task or of doing enough for this task is is very uh, very different. And in, in life, you know obviously most of us we, we don't get to to uh, choose our proportions between, Doing the the necessary, the things that are necessary versus spending more time at Jesus' feet. But again, this is something that we need to wrestle with and we need to think about uh, proportionately. You know, as we have lived longer together in our our uh, married life together, we have come to more of a happy medium at times. But uh, it is something that is not just a question that we need to ask in our relationships with each other, but we also need to look inside ourselves and ask ourselves: you know, what is the uh, what is the definition of done? When have I done enough towards my earthly tasks that I am going to step back and I'm going to focus? on the spiritual matters, on sitting at Jesus' feet and learning from Jesus. So it's important to think about what the one thing is spiritually and what God is, how God is directing our focus. If we look at David, Psalm 27.4, David said, "'One thing have I desired of the Lord.'" that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to behold the, to and to inquire in his temple. So David said that he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, obviously, some of David's expression here is to focused on going to the temple and worshiping there. But if we look at the Amplified or if we look at some of the uh, what is the, the true, true expression of his thoughts here that would apply to us today, we can see that uh, when he so- says that he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, the Amplified adds, In his presence. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to have communion. I want to have communion with the Lord. I want to be in his presence. I want to feel his presence in my life. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. Another translation says, I want to delight in his perfection. I want to delight in God's holiness. and I want to inquire in his temple. Again, the Amplify expands on inquire. I want to meditate, I want to consider, I want to think about the Lord. So as, as believers, again, I think the question that we always have to ask ourselves is what is God's one thing, and are we building our lives around it? If we look look at Luke eighteen, verse eighteen. A certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. So this is a difficult scripture always, you know, if you read this, you have to ask yourself, well, if I'm living in the 21st century here in America, and uh, I've uh, done well under the uh, capitalistic system here, um, am I the rich one that's supposed to sell all that I have and distribute under the poor? And I don't want to give anyone easy answers to that, but I do think we have to think about Jesus' intent when he spoke this and think about what this question caused in the young man's life. So Jesus came down, and he said, the one thing in your life that you lack, you're holding on to your riches, your wealth and that's hindering you from following me that's hindering you from giving my best your best that's hindering you from sitting at my feet and learning from me and while we can look at the general attributes of things that are expected of all of us as Christians. If we really look at them closer, we see that we as believers have to think about what is God's personal call to me? We go back to loving God with all of our heart. What do I have to do to love God with all my heart? Here, the rich young ruler fell short of that. Do I love my neighbor as myself? Am I stopping am I uh, predefining neighbors like the uh, the Pharisees? Does my love for God extend to all humanity? And finally, what is my part in the Great Commission? What is my personal mission space in life? So when we move to the, from the general to the Pacific, it gets God's call for us gets very, very personal. And I think about if we are, I hate to use the word planning, but if we are thinking about the future, thinking about the coming year, I've always kind of thought about my life in three components. Number one, my spiritual life. Number two, my work life. What do I need to do to uh, continue to uh, survive in this present world, to live under the curse of Adam, Adam, to continue to uh, cultivate the field, so to speak? And three, of course, my family life, my relationship with others, especially those closest to me. And when we plan, sometimes we like to uh, we like to uh, one of the easiest things to do when we were planning at work always was to uh, carry over carry over as many goals from the uh, the previous year as possible. Hopefully, some of those had been fulfilled. Often, there were ones that had to be carried over from year to year. And a lot of times in life, though, it's easy for us to sit there and say, Focus on what I would call maintenance goals. Right, this is what I need to do to uh, to keep my job. Versus looking at things that are hard for us to do. This is what I need to do to grow. This is what I need to do to get better in my job. And usually, if I didn't uh, didn't know how I how I needed to grow uh, my uh, Immediate supervisor would always have some suggestions of how I might be able to uh, to grow in the coming year. But sometimes I think we as believers that uh, you know we perhaps we don't ask God. We we're we're con- like to be content where we are, and we would prefer prefer not to have to grow too much spiritually. And I think that's very dangerous for us as spiritual beings just as it is for us when we look at these other more temporal aspects of our life, whether work, family, other obligations we may have. So I think in essence it comes down to Again, Brother Andrew already spoke about you know, using our time, making the best use of our time. But to make best, the best use of our time, we have to be very, we have to understand how we might be wasting our time now and we have to understand which part of our time is going to potentially provide us with the best benefits. What is the most valuable use of our time? I'm already was faced this week with uh, conflict, a date conflict in February, and I'm like, okay, of these two things, what, which one is most important? And I had to make that hard decision already this year because I was looking forward to uh, to both of these two uh, opportunities, and yet I could only choose one. So we have to make sure that we are again spending our time wisely, focusing on the things that are going to move us forward to fulfilling God's direction for our lives. And a lot of times if we're really if we're really honest with ourselves, we again tend to turn towards things that give us comfort instead of things that help us grow. You know, I'm still wondering here as artificial intelligence comes in more as more of a thing, and artificial intelligence can do more of day-to-day work. These little tasks, sometimes that I take great pleasure in because they give me a break from the hard tasks. If I wouldn't have to do those anymore, uh, what's that going to? Uh, how's that going to change my day? How's that going to change the way I work? Similarly, you know, I think a lot of times we we tend to turn to comfort tasks, tasks that we know we can do well. Perhaps these are spiritual habits that we know we can do well even, and yet we, we don't want to step out and perhaps take on the more difficult growth tasks that God might be calling us to. And so we can create these uh, wonderful plans here realizing that we've done our best to try to align our relationship with God with the things that we're going to work on in this coming year, things that we're going to, to do and yet In real life, as uh, Mike Tyson, a professional boxer, once said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, it's great to have plans, but in real life, things happen. So I'm going to detour back to Abraham for a second. So as we left Abraham and Lot, Lot was living in Sodom. Abraham had had taken second best, was content content with uh, the land that he had been given and was off trying to uh, trying to make a living, so to speak, off of that land. But all of a sudden, something happened. Kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, they had uh, been uh, under the thumb of another king, Chetolo Mer, and uh, they decided they didn't like that, so they created this... Uh, got together with three other kings and they went to uh, war and chetel had three other allies and so we had this big group of kings that came together and fought each other. And the side of Sodom and Gomorrah lost. And in Genesis 14.11 says, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals, and went their way and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, his nephew, really, but his uh, relative was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, both born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, and he had his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. He also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chet-o-l-mer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave them tithes, him ties of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the Possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a, from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou sayest, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me that is, Ener, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. So as we've seen, Abram has this great promise that he's going to be the father of many nations. And perhaps we look at this and we say, well, God's given Abram a plan. God has given him his one thing, And all of a sudden, this happens. And now Abram, who, based on our previous readings, trying to hide the fact that Sarah was his wife when he went to Egypt because he was afraid someone would kill him for his wife, is suddenly changed into this valiant warrior. And he goes out, and he gets together with his other allies and brings together all of his 318 servants in his household. And he goes out, and he has this plan, and he overtakes Chetolomeur and takes back, rescues the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. He rescues Lot. And he meets Melchizedek, the priest of Salem. Now, we don't know much about the priest of Salem, about Melchizedek, but we know that as we go forward through the Bible, that there has been a lot of there's a lot of of uh, continuing discussion about this. And David said in Psalm 110, verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Again, a prophecy, a prophecy of Jesus, that Jesus was not going to be of the, of the Levite line, but of this new order of priests. And if we go to Hebrews which I don't have time to read. But again, uh, chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is the king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. So in the midst of Abraham's one thing, he has this experience of Abram, of course, his name was then. And if I were Abram or Abraham and I was looking back on my life, I might be thinking, God, what was this experience about? You had me go, you had me rescue the sinful people from Sodom and Gomorrah, which you're going to destroy in the coming years. And you made me go rescue Lot, which it appears that Abraham loved, in spite of some of Lot's shortcomings in his relationship with Abraham. And yet, of course, we know that that uh, Lot, in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, also uh, while he lived, you know, we uh, we know that uh, his life was. Uh, not pretty after that. So if I was Abram and I was looking back later in life, I would still be scratching my head and wondering about this experience. How did this fit in with the one thing? How did this fit in with my calling to become a great nation and bless All of the nations of the earth. So I don't know, perhaps God revealed that to him, or perhaps not. But I think in life we have to be able to set those types, these experiences aside, and we have to take the blessing or the learning that we received out of them and move forward, refocus back on the one thing, on our calling, on God's calling in our lives. And perhaps when we get to heaven, we will realize, as Abraham, that perhaps this situation really had little to do with Abraham, but it was really for future generations that Abraham was called in this experience The key thing out of this experience in the future, of course, was Abraham giving tithes to Melchizedek, to Abraham, in a sense, paying tithes to the the future Messiah, the future priest, to our future high priest, Jesus Christ, through this genealogy of no priesthood. And again... Out of nothing, God creates something. James 4.14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, I'm sorry, back to 4.13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away for that ye ought to say if the Lord will we shall live and do this or that so sometimes we as believers we're afraid to we're afraid to plan Sometimes we're afraid to to grow. We're afraid to uh, think about going to another city, to expanding God's promise in our lives. And again, we don't know. Ultimately, we know God is in control. And we know that we need to, when we think about our coming year, we do need to examine our hearts and our lives. We do need to think about what is our one thing that God has called us to and how can we live that out in our lives. We also have to be ready to accept these detours that we perhaps do not understand that may go against our preconceived notions of what God's plan for our lives are. But then, ultimately, we always have to keep in mind the one thing loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving our neighbors enough to reach out and to share the good news of the gospel, the good news of salvation with them. May God bless you in the coming year with a focus on his one thing and with insight into your personal one thing that he's calling you to.